listening to the Marketing Happy Hour podcast, where we discuss career and industry insights with our peers in marketing. We're here to talk about it all, like the ups and downs of working in social media, how to build authentic relationships in the influencer and PR space, managing a nine to five and a side hustle at the same time, how to be productive in your life and career without losing your sanity, and more. Ultimately, we're here to build a community with you because we're all trying to navigate the world of marketing together. Are you ready? Grab your favorite drink and join your hosts, Cassie and Erica, for this week's episode. We are so excited to share that our first ever free marketing happy hour digital resource is now available. Download the dream career game plan today at marketinghappyhr.com forward slash freebie. That's marketinghappyhr.com forward slash freebie. This five-step workbook will guide you through defining your goals, building your network, diversifying your skills, influencing where you're at, and investing in your growth. Cassie and I created this resource with marketing careers in mind, but the framework can be applied to any industry. Our hope is that this workbook will help you truly elevate your career, whether you're in the market for a new position or just looking to make your mark in your current organization. No matter where this resource finds you, we are cheering you on every step of the way. So go check it out at marketinghappyhr.com forward slash freebie to download and make your career dreams come true. We're throwing it back to Valentine's Day season with a conversation between Erica and Emily Harple and Emma Bierman of Artisupra. Cotton candy with unique flavors, edible glitter, and a touch of whimsy. Emily shares her journey of building a direct-to-consumer brand and making her first hire, which in fact was Emma, now the brand director for Art of Sucra. Art of Sucra has seen success through building a consistent presence on TikTok and experiencing virality, which they share at times has resulted to a spike in sales, but other times has not, and how they use those results to optimize for the future. In addition, the duo shares their steps, strategies, and KPIs for building positive relationships with brand partners like Kate Spade, New York City, Wine and Food, and more. Enough of the teasing, let's get into this week's episode. Grab a drink and join Erica, Emily, and Emma for this week's conversation. Hey, Emily and Emma, how are you guys? Good. Good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. Well, I know a lot about you guys, but I'm excited to have you on today. But before we get started, I do have an important question for you that we ask all of our guests. And that is, what is in your glass this afternoon? It is marketing happy hour after all. The only answer for us is Prosecco. Prosecco. (laughs) Of course. What flavor glitter bomb do you have? It is strawberry with strawberry inclusions. Oh, that sounds Mm -hmm. so good. It's for Valentine's Day. Perfect timing. We love that. I'm a huge Valentine's girl. My mom used to throw me a Valentine's Day party, but I guess it's called the Galentine's now. She would always invite all the girls in my class over um, instead of having like a birthday party because she didn't want people to feel like they had to bring gifts, even though my birthday is nowhere near Valentine's Day, but that's okay. (laughs) That's so cute. 
Oh, that's adorable. Isn't that so fun? Um, Well, I'm just sipping on a mocktail that I made. It's literally sparkling water and some juice that I found in my refrigerator. So nothing too special. I wish I was sipping on Prosecco with a glitter bomb. Maybe I'll have to hit that up later, but (laughs) maybe a little bit later. That seems like a better fit. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I know a lot of these details around Art of Sucra from you guys and our time working together, but our listeners might not know. Walk us through the story. Walk us through what were you both doing before and how has it evolved over time? Where are you now? My favorite fun fact is that Emma was in high school when I started the company. So yeah, that's we just figured that out the other day and I've never felt older um, (laughs) in in my entire life. But yeah, we have to go back to 2016 when I got the idea to start. At the time, it was just an events-based cotton candy company. And it was just me taking my cute little pink cotton candy cart to weddings, birthday parties, concerts, you name it. I've done dog birthday parties, literally <laughs> anything you could imagine to spin cotton candy. And then, like most people, found myself in a position in 2020 where obviously cotton candy was no longer essential um, and events just weren't happening. So I transitioned to packaging with the help of posting on TikTok simultaneously, grew a following there while I was developing like, how in the world do you ship cotton candy? And started to look into being like, this can no longer just be me because we had this crazy demand for this product that wasn't even really created yet. So started hiring cotton candy spinners, which is where Emma enters the picture. And then she was my first full-time hire. Oh my gosh. That is so cool. How has the company kind of evolved and where are you guys right now? So I feel like it's not even the same company. Like we talk about that often. It's crazy. Not at all. It's, it's evolved so much just in the last two years oh yeah it's completely different even from just a year ago and it's it's wild how it's really been kind of like three phases so obviously the beginning was the events phase of everything the second phase was that weird transition kind of in between of okay now we're this direct-to-consumer store but also still like filling contracts of events that had been postponed because of covid and now i feel like we've really moved on to phase three of we not only do direct-to-consumer we do wholesale we do a lot of collaborations with other businesses and really unique different types of partnerships and then I'm hoping at some point we'll kind of come full circle and kind of move back into the event space whether that's through you know actually doing events or through a store or pop-ups or whatever but it's been kind of fun to see everything transition and then come back to the original business as well. Oh my gosh. I love that. And I love hearing your story. It's so inspiring. And we've all seen those TikTok glitter bombs. They went viral during the pandemic. Can you just share a little bit about your virality and success on the platform? Yeah. So actually we counted the other day Yep. and it was just over, we've had over 40 videos hit over a million views. Wow. Is crazy and I mainly if you've seen our videos or if you haven't it's not really my face it's not Emma's face it's nobody on the team it's really just one of the two of our hands um and my voice is really what you hear and so that started with taking old clips that I had on my phone from events that I used to do or you know just random footage even like 
the boomerangs that I was editing to to kind of fit. We like literally boomies. boomies. Yeah, that's what we call them around here. Like we love a good old boomie. Um, and <laughs> and just editing what I had and then slowly started kind of finding my own groove. And I had one, I think I had like one video hit like 11,000 views. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so famous. <laughs> and, and which is so embarrassing to even admit out loud, but then it kind of quickly became its own thing. And people really started loving what we, what I was doing what I was putting out there. And our TikTok strategy to this day is still very similar to what it was when I very first started the format is just a set of hands and my voice. Awesome. Is that the content that really performs best or are you seeing anything else perform well? For us, that's definitely what performs best. If we right. post a video of any other style, specifically on TikTok, not so much on Instagram, okay. other things can perform well there, but on TikTok, that niche is really what does it and I don't think we've ever had a video go viral that's not that format I don't think so either actually I think the only one that went viral that wasn't that format was Rachel spinning the cotton candy in her wedding dress behind the cotton candy machine yeah and it was still very much like a voiceover like you could see people in it so it wasn't like just hands but the I think it's really the voiceover people recognize my voice first and foremost and if, if they don't hear that they don't recognize it as our brand Totally. And I wonder too, if TikTok values or like pushes through the consistency, like maybe they're, they're in the background kind of just putting that content forth. Cause they're like, okay, this is going to hit every time. So Absolutely. very interesting. Um, how are you guys building connections with your audience on TikTok? How are you kind of able to convert those followers into customers? I mean, it's gotta be hard. Like a, a post goes viral and people see it for, you know, seven seconds, whatever. And they flip through, um, yeah. What's kind of the conversion rate? How many touch points would you say it takes on TikTok or beyond to convince one of those followers or one of those viewers to try your products? It's kind of hard to tell exactly because I think one of, it's really one of two extremes. So, and it depends on the side of TikTok, the video goes viral on. So it can be something where like Emma, like you handle our custom orders and oftentimes it'll say in there like, I've been saving your videos. Like I see you all the time and it's finally, it's my turn. It's my wedding, I'm graduating, yes. I've saved up enough money, whatever it is, like here's my custom order. So you can tell that obviously that person has been along for the journey and it's taken multiple videos or even just that right time to kind of yeah. pull the trigger. And then other times we'll have videos that go viral and it's immediate and it's I have to have that now TikTok made me buy it kind of vibe and what's so interesting is that it doesn't necessarily equate to views so like we'll have a video that you know hits 11 million views and won't really see any conversion on it just because of the style of video that it is but we'll have a video hit 2 million views and do $60,000 in sales in a weekend so wow. It's, it's pretty, it varies. It really kind of varies depending on who is seeing it and what side of TikTok it's on. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like the platform is still so like, um, you know, varied and unreliable in a way, just because yeah. you don't know what, who or what your content is going to reach. Um, if someone's out there and they're just starting on TikTok, do you recommend doing the same thing, like just kind of going for it and putting videos out there and seeing what sticks, or do you have like any tips that you would recommend? I think like our number one tip that we tell everybody is 
keep posting consistently consistency a hundred percent and it doesn't like if you can if you can niche down I'm not saying you have to I think there's a lot of noise out there of the like here are the five things you have to do to go viral on TikTok and I just don't think that it's one size fits all I think it's super custom depending on what your brand is who you are what you're trying to achieve um with all of this so I just recommend consistency if you find that the voiceovers for you are what's going to make you post once a day twice a day once a week whatever consistency looks like to you whatever you can commit to because if you overcommit to posting five times a day and that's not realistic you're going to get burnt out and you're not going to post it that's just that's the reality so if you can you know make that commitment to posting whatever that looks like for you that is going to be your best friend and obviously the algorithm rewards the more that you post the better even though we don't want to hear that necessarily (laughs) but it is it is very true at least in our experience that's what we found how many times are you guys posting per week? I think um, that uh, <laughs> recently none, but if we're honest, okay. but our goal is one a day mm-hmm. to start off minimal, really achieve that goal and not overexert ourselves. And then once we hit that goal, then those videos can really be bumped up to two, three to really see what we want to see and I will say like the beauty and some of the algorithm changes that have been happening as of late like originally when I first started posting you would know immediately if your video is going to go viral mm-hmm. like our most viral video has just shy of 26 million views and I knew within 10 minutes like 10 minutes in I had a million views and I was like what is happening <laughs> now it is not like that for the most part like we had a video that we posted like weeks before we left for holiday yeah. break and it sat at like 500,000, which is a lot. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of views, but we came back and it's at like 3.9 million. Wow. And so it's taking longer, which I actually prefer from the standpoint of you're posting content. And as long as it's an evergreen type of content, it's continuing to serve its purpose for you over even months, honestly, at this point. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so interesting to me. I like don't really post on TikTok. So I'm always curious to hear how people have their experiences, but how do you kind of deal too with the influx of an order, you know, number, because let's say a TikTok goes viral, right? You're going to get a huge influx of customers. How are you guys managing that? I know it must be kind of difficult. We cry. Yeah. I think another big thing is that you can't, you can't plan for it because you don't really know what's going to go viral one, but when that video does go viral, what's going to be that biggest seller and you can't necessarily plan for that. And I think just like a funny story to go along with that is this past year, (laughs) we had a video go viral, which correlated to sales. And during that video going viral, I wasn't here and neither was our head of operations, Libby. So Emily was dealing with the influx of orders on her own for mm-hmm. a solid week. Wow. Like when I'm not joking, like literally we cry, but I think we, we're also in a really unique position because we do all of our manufacturing in house. So I don't have a co-packer. Like we're literally sitting on the other side of the wall from where all of our production happens. So if we get an influx in orders, we can really quickly whip up that turnaround. And I also think what's interesting for us too, is that we do so much of the customization that we take on these custom orders. So not only when 
we go viral? Does it spike our online store? We got, I think it was, I was answering emails oh. all night and day, packing orders by myself. I was working literally 20 hours a day for like two weeks while Livy and Emma were out of town. And I think we had almost 500 custom requests come in it and it was crazy. So what's really neat about that, just from our business model is that it, the longevity of the sales that we see is really long lasting compared to probably a, a normal style of business, because we can be getting custom orders for a year, a year and a half out, um, all from one viral video that happened, you know, six months ago. Oh, wow. That's so interesting to me. Um, I want to switch gears just a little bit and talk about your brand partnerships. You've been able to partner with a ton of really amazing brands. How do you guys seamlessly integrate Art of Sucra into your partnerships? You know, is it kind of like an already planned activation? And then you're, you're coming in and saying, hey, we can kind of contribute with our cotton candy or glitter bombs or things like that. Or do you guys work with these brands to come up with your own custom activations or a mix of both? I think what's so cool about what we do with partnerships is that we can do it so many different ways because what we do is all in-house. So we can do a actual collaboration where it's Art of Sucra time said brand. We can white label something. We have the opportunity to be in influencer boxes or be a part of an activation, be at an event, send our glitter bombs to an event and activate that way. So I think seamlessly it's done by having so many different avenues to choose from. Yeah, it's definitely a combination of all those things. Um, we are even expanding more into that this year. And what makes it really fun, that's like mainly Emma's job. Like she's our brand director and that's really what she oversees is that every collaboration is really like starting from scratch every brand has their own kind of guidelines that they want you to work within every brand has their own idea of what a collaboration looks like some want to pay you some want to be paid some want to just have it be a 50 50 split like it is pretty wild how all of these collaborations look so different and it's beautiful that we can pull that off but I do think it was pretty eye-opening to us sure. when we first kind of started doing this that it's a pretty unique process and there really isn't this like standardized template for it yet or okay. if ever it really depends I didn't realize that collaboration and partnership were two such broad terms and everyone took it so differently so when I originally started pitching to brands and they came back and said well what does this look like in my head well there's only one answer yeah. But as I did them more and more, I learned all these different avenues exist. And I feel like even now I'm finding more and more avenues. So it's really just like an endless supply of how we can partner with people, which is just really cool. I think that we've learned too, like one of the most important things, if we can get the person to agree, like just sit down with us, whether it's for 15 minutes, like, well, I don't want to take a lot of your time, but help us understand how you operate and your vision, because nine times out of 10, we can probably work within whatever that looks like. We just have to adjust kind of our pitch and our approach to it. It's not just like a flat out, no, if we can have that initial conversation. That is awesome. What have been some of your favorite activations that you've done so far? My favorite's definitely been Kate Spade. We activated with them over holidays this year. And that has been like from day one before anybody even knew who Art of Sucra was. It was literally just me. I actually found a Kate Spade notebook that I had written it in in like 2017. Um, and so that was really just like, I get kind of chills talking about it, like a pinch yeah. me moment. And it was so cool working with that team. And it was a long process and they ordered 
thousands of glitter bombs to activate in their store. And one of the coolest moments was I kind of like followed up with it. They posted about us on their socials, which is huge for a brand of that size with like no strings attached to collaborate on a post with us on Instagram. And we followed up afterwards and they were like, you just completely overshot. We didn't have enough glitter bombs. Like the, the return on this was so much bigger than we had forecasted. And that just feels so good to really kind of see those numbers after the fact. And then mine is when we did New York wine and food, I think for sure. So I grew up watching the Food Network with my mom every morning in bed. I always watched the wine and food show when it was going on in New York, when it was going on in South Beach. So it was really surreal to take something that I grew up watching and loved to actually being there, working it. And also it was really cool because my favorite show growing up was Ace of Cakes, which is on the Food Network. (laughs) And Duff Goldman did a live demonstration at wine and food so it was just like a really cool experience overall it was my first trip to New York so the entire trip was just like one of those bucket list items that is so awesome what is the goal then when you're doing these brand collaborations brand partnerships is it kind of like you know brand awareness or are you looking for sales are you just kind of getting your name out there and aligning with brands that you guys love it really depends and one thing that is super interesting is like like for Kate Spade, we were essentially a vendor with them. So we got to act it with them, but they paid us for the product, which was incredible. So that was, you know, a a super cool moment with us. We got a lot of eyes on us. It was really mutually beneficial for both teams for wine and food. That wasn't the case. And, and oftentimes we kind of sit in house and we plan like, what do we think is going to be a huge hit and what's not? And oftentimes you really can't predict it. Mm -hmm. So when we're like, yes, we're going to get so many sales from being at wine and food that didn't happen necessarily, but we made so many connections in the industry because just about every liquor brand was also in the exhibit that we were in. So it really does depend. Sometimes we kind of take it more of a, a vendor role where we're providing a service for them. So they're paying us for it. Other times it's to get an audience that we don't have locked down that, you know, or maybe sometimes it's just networking. And then also it's overall just proof of concept to be able to say that we are, we're a small brand that you may not have heard of, but look at these brands that buy in, believe in us and have tested our product and know it's the real deal. So cool. Are there any fun things on the horizon that you guys can speak to that we should know about? There's really (laughs) so many cool things in the works for this year. And we're only a month in, which is really, really cool to think that that's happening, but nothing that we can share. Nothing I understand. We will be in New York in March for a um, International Women's Day event with Female Founder World. The details haven't been released yet, but I am very, very excited about that one for sure. That is awesome. Love Female Founder World too. I was just in New York and I got in too late to go to the event that I had signed up for with them at the Shopify like headquarters there. Um, So I'll have to look into that event and see if I might be able to come. Please, (laughs) that would be amazing. Absolutely. The venue that is being held at for this event is amazing. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm excited to see more, hear more about it. 
Um, let's just quickly talk a little bit about your overall marketing and PR strategies and kind of the process of working together. Um, I Emily reached out to me about you know a couple months ago, and we've been working together on some just deep dives of your strategy and some ideas for the future. Um, what did you kind of learn through that process? What are you implementing? What was kind of the most helpful thing that we collaborated on? I would just love to hear directly from you. And um, yeah. So I always say that I kind of built my business backwards. So I had, you know, I had a business, it's very different, same concept, very different though. And then had this demand and this product and it wasn't ready yet. And so I was getting like press inquiries and all of these things before I had really anything to share or to, to sell. And that has kind of been the vibe of the business for really like the last two years since the pivot. I felt like we were constantly playing catch up. We were doing these big drops and they were selling out. And then we moved into our new facility and it finally felt kind of time to be like, okay, let's get this ready to go and how it, how it should be. I mean, we had this massive email list and I was maybe, maybe sending an email once a month like, and it would be like a very last minute, like, a, oh, hey, we should probably like tell people that we're <laughs> dropping this collection type of thing. So we, when working with you has just been, we'd say all the time, like a breath of fresh air because we work so closely together and we have all of these ideas and social media is something that I feel like we have a lock on for sure, but it can get really insular and it can get a lot of just like bouncing ideas off of each other and to have you come alongside of us and be like, let me show you what structure looks like and let me let me kind of put into words all of the things that we already know, but it really gave it this actionable step-by-step -step process. So the content buckets of like, hey, we know you're posting on TikTok, but like you should probably put a little more planning and thought into what you're posting. And the same thing goes for Instagram and for email and kind of this 360 approach that's not just so heavy just on TikTok. Because as we mentioned earlier, it's, it's hard and it's unpredictable to run a business strictly off of that, especially one that we don't want to just be a TikTok brand. Like we love that and we love TikTok, but we have potential to grow to, into so much more than that. So having this like multiple page document of these deep dives is incredible. And so far, all of our like PR has been organic and in-house in and that has been challenging and so to have these like templates and your help and the kind of how to pitch and I think for both of us like Emma like your background's not in cotton candy because whose is <laughs> but it's also like we kind of found ourselves talking with like the big dogs but not having any background in the corporate world or anything like that too so just to have someone to rely on that has the experience that we're not accidentally offending somebody by sliding in their dms or how we're like flooding their inboxes with these pitches that they're not probably going to read anyways like getting that kind of nailed down with someone that has level of you know experience that you do has really really been invaluable we literally hold we clutch the document that you gave us like we have it printed out at all time like I just stole it off of Emma's desk today because I was like <laughs> where is it where's the Erica document like, get it back to me we could really make two copies but apparently that's too hard apparently not apparently not <laughs> and the digital one is not good enough either it has to be paper around here I guess I don't know but genuinely it's it has been huge for us and then we're working on implementing all of those things now and it's been a pretty smooth process for sure it definitely helps me look 
look at Instagram more because Instagram became this scary beast that I didn't really want to tackle, which is so weird because Instagram is like my bread and butter. I didn't know much about TikTok before I had this job. So Instagram was like my one and only. I knew how to post. I loved it. And then it became this scary beast of, I don't know what to post. I don't want to post. I don't want to curate it. I don't want to shoot it. So being able to have this document that has, okay, you have five sections and you take two videos per month and put them into each section. It makes it easier to look at and be like, okay, I can manage this because I have it right in front of me. I just have to drop the videos into each bucket and cross them off as I get them done. So it's definitely helped me in that sense. And I've been implementing it this month and it seems to be going really well. So I have found a lot of success in that. (laughs) We're big fans over here. Yeah, (laughs) that is so fun to hear. I just love hearing like feedback and how things, you know, impact the brand going beyond just, you know, your strategy before and kind of like getting structure nailed down is so important. And I think it's, simple but like we forget that when we're in the day-to-day like if you own your own business and your passion is that business you're just like I don't know what to do but I'm just going to do whatever I can um so having that like document having those steps having those content pillars the mission all that stuff is super important I feel like and I'm so glad that it, it has helped you guys so far so yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Um, so what's kind of next for you guys? We talked a little bit about the upcoming activations that you can't really speak to. Um, but what are your goals for this year? Where do you guys think you're going in terms of like the business structure as a whole? I think one of the biggest things we've talked about this year is not necessarily steering away from holiday because a lot of what we do is very holiday based, but really curating an evergreen collection that can be available all year round and speak to so many different audiences. Yeah. Like having like life event moments. So like as far as product goes and kind of that evergreen marketing is where we're trying to lean towards from that standpoint, but also just in general, building a community more. We have these incredible followers. Like we travel a lot for work and sharing more about the crazy stories that go along with that and kind of finding the balance. I mean, I know Erica, we've talked about this of the struggle of Artisucra is the brand, but I'm the founder. And how do you kind of walk that line of being the person of the brand without it being too much type of, you know, it's it's hard to kind of balance that. So working on that a little bit. And then as far as like future, future goes, I could definitely see us at some point opening up a pop-up, whether it's a storefront at some yeah. point, getting back into the event space, but having cotton candy carts all across the country. I mean, I can just see it now in like every, I don't know, stadium. Can't you just see like cotton candy for baseball, football, whatever? Yeah. If you you can do dip and dots, you can do Art of Sucre. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Same thing. Concerts, all of it. We love that. (laughs) Well, we love to ask this question on the show. And as we're wrapping up, I wanted to ask you guys, what do you each know now that you kind of wish you knew earlier on in your career? It doesn't have to relate to marketing or even business, but just um, what do you know now? I think the biggest thing for me, and I talked about it earlier about partnerships, there's so many different avenues. So that's definitely one. But I think another thing is that a not response is not a no. Mm-hmm. So when you don't get a response from someone, I used to kind of write that off. They don't want to hear from me. They're not interested, but that's not necessarily the case. And this year has really proven that to be true. So whether it's not the right time at this time, we don't have something that fits it necessarily, or just not the right contact is another big one. 
because something that didn't work a year ago may work this year for a product launch and influencer gifting and activation. Yeah. Um, so my saying really this year is the answer is not no until you tell me no. So I think that's like the biggest thing for me. What about you? I would, this is not necessarily even marketing related because I absolutely second everything you just said, but finding your right team is so crucial and it can take time. Like I'm so lucky to have a right hand, like Emma, like we work so well together and we, it's like a joke between like other founder friends and myself of like, how do I get an Emma? Like, how do I do that? And it's not just Emma. I feel that way about literally my entire team. Like we have a bunch of incredible women that work with us and it is so crucial to just the life of the business. And to me as, as a entrepreneur and as, you know, the founder of the company that I don't take any of that for granted. And if you're struggling with that, it will come into place in a way that you don't even expect it. Emma slid into my DMS and here we are. <laughs> like it'll, it won't necessarily happen in like a traditional way, but it's so vital to growing your business is growing with the right people. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. And thank you so much for just joining me today and sharing your journey, sharing kind of the experience working together, what your strategies are and things like that. Where can everybody find you guys, both of you and follow along with what you're up to and buy some awesome cotton candy and glitter bombs? <laughs> you can find um, just at Art of Sucra literally everywhere. It's the website is artsucra.com. Socials are all the same for me. It's just my name at Emily Harple. And mine is OMG, but it's yes. O-H-H-E-M-M and then G-E-E. Awesome. And we'll link everything in the show notes so people can find you and follow along and keep up with all the fun things that you guys are doing this year. Thanks so much again for joining us. This has been awesome. Thanks, Thank Erica. you. Thanks to Emily and Emma for joining Erica on this week's episode. I hope this conversation has inspired you to post consistently on TikTok and test new content concepts. If you love this week's episode as much as I did, we would love your feedback. Drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.